When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack and based on the selections that are played, Harge and I are supposed to gather clues and hints that lead us to the featured film of midweek movie music. Woo. Man, Your boy has you got it? zero clue. Man, this was wild. I'm telling like, you right now, I have no thought I feel like we're in the 70s this. somewhere. I feel like the music second is from the 70s. It What's can't be Forrest what, what, what era is this from? What decade is this from? Here, let me look up. Let me look up okay. exactly I feel, when it was. I feel like, yeah, I just feel like. Except it was not released in the 70s, but it is. I feel like the era of the music has been there, though, like something like that. But maybe I'm thinking about the period piece of the film itself. I feel like it's like, is it like Rocky Horror Picture Show or something? It is not. <laughs> no. It gets like weird. Okay. All right. Hard has got nothing. And I obviously got nothing. Spec sex line, if you got something, send it in. We're not even ignoring the spec sex line on midweek movie music. <laughs> well, we, we, lost the, we lost the earlier. We did. We lost basically an hour of it. And we, that's only our second clue. Usually, we have our third clue. We have already be through like three or four clues by now. So we lost out on some And I, I'm not even turning this off because. <laughs> no, and they haven't got it yet either. Yeah. Well, somebody said Boogie Nights. I like that one. Some said Dust to Dawn. That's nope. good too. Nope. Dust you know, or die? Nothing. That ain't it okay. either. No, the movie. The movie. I will tell you. The movie is set in the seventies. That's what I. I felt that. Yes. I felt that from the music. Yes. Someone says platoon. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All right. I'm not even turning the specs. I know. Text See, line. it's because I need rare. people to get it. It's rare that you stump the specs text line. You've done that a couple of times. No, and I think if we would have, if we'd be five songs in right now, you didn't, five, they, they would know. But okay. we're we're just only two songs in. So all right, yeah, no, it's uh, it's really interesting. I'm not sure what it is, and Harge isn't often lost either. I'm completely. Ooh, how about Texas? Good morning, Vietnam. Nope. That's a good guess. That was a good guess. I like that. I like fear of loathing. <laughs> hey, somebody gets it. Fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, there, there it is. is. Correct answer. Somebody there got it, it. Good job. There nice. you go. And even they put a question mark by it. Fear and loathing. Yeah, they went 100 sure. in Las Vegas. Fear and okay, loathing. Good, okay. Good. Some people, uh, yeah, I, I like fear and loathing. I don't love it. I don't think, but it's no, a, it's, it's a, a journey. Good, it's a, it's, it's a good and a good soundtrack a, because it is basically a 
drug rock movie. Yes, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, it is a it tribute. Is blatantly a drug movie. It is a tribute to a drug. I mean, it's a, it's a drug tribute movie. Yeah, pretty I mean, much. They, yeah. He starts it, it, it off with a briefcase <laughs> of drugs. Yeah, it's a, it is a drug tribute movie. But like I said, it was uh, some movies, they don't have to necessarily be, in my opinion, great movies to be a, a fun nope. movie experience. Nope, you're right. And I would say that's a fun movie experience. And I'm not I'm not advocating for, you know, the kids to, you know, endorsing the drug culture. But still, it's about drugs. So. No, I mean, they did. 1971 is when Hunter S. Thompson did that. It was, I felt the 70s vibe, though. I felt that 70s vibe. Yeah. I so that, that. that's Hunter S. Thompson back many, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Getting it in. Uh, that's a great. No, I like For that. Shizzle. Though. That was good. Good job there. I like that one. Uh, and great guesses on the Specs text line, too. 512 337 3776. Keep them coming. I like the, the guesses here. Like, someone said almost famous. I've been waiting on you to do almost famous. And you haven't done it. I feel like I did do it. I feel you like it's been it? done. You did because you, yeah. you got mm-hmm. it right away. Yeah. I feel okay, like so already that was one, that okay. was one of the, those ones where you were like, oh, yeah, I, I watched this. Yeah. I know what this all is. Right. That's so what I'm saying. We've done a lot of movies already. So we're getting now to like, all right, we have to go to other choices and. Oh, that's a good soundtrack, too. American Hustle is a good soundtrack. Yes. It is. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's oh a great goodness. soundtrack, actually. I remember watching the movie and thinking about that. Oh, someone says, I would have thought Blow. Oh, another great drug another movie. Also, oh. Johnny Depp in both of those, right? Yeah. Is Johnny Depp in all good drug movies? Uh, yes. I mean, Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp is. Johnny Depp's in a lot of drug movies. <laughs> Either he's the cop or he's the villain. <laughs> well, he's got. He, he's been in some gangster movies, too, because yes. he's been in Black Mass. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, 21 Jump Street was I really early enjoyed on, Black right? Mass, by the yeah, way. 21 sure. Jump Street where he's a cop fighter. I fight, really man. enjoyed Black Mass. Yeah, he's, he's great in Black Mass. Love that one. Yeah. And, uh, man, what's the uh, old school movie I'm thinking where he's the undercover cop? Not Donnie Brasco. It's 21 Donnie Jump Brasco. Street, right? Oh, Donnie Brasco. Yeah. 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 That's Donnie what Brasco. I thought it yeah. was. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, Undercover Cop's 21 Jump Street, too, right? Yep. That's a TV show. Yeah, yeah you're right was. about that. I didn't think about that. I forget that he's the original. Because yeah. they remade it now. It's yeah. like the uh, the comedy. Uh, so, yeah. Also 22 in, uh, of Jump Street. Yeah, they've had 21 and 22. <laughs> also, isn't he the first guy that Freddy kills? Now now you're going way too far back for your boy. On Nightmare yeah, on Elm Street? Wow. Really like that was you one of his be, first roles? You might be right about that. I, think he was, I don't know if he's the first one killed, but he's killed early in that movie. That is, that's that's a great pull right there. That's a Craig Way pull. That's Craig Way-esque, brother. Good job on that one. If Johnny Depp isn't the, the first one killed by... <laughs> if you say, if Freddy, if you say Freddy Krueger or Jason? Which Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger? Like he comes up through the bed, I think. I remember that. I do remember he's one in in, in one of those early movies, though. You're yeah. right, Sam. Okay. All right. Uh, there you go. My man uh, Patrick always keeping us on our toes. Midweek movie music edition of All Don't Lie. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I like it. I, li- I love it, actually. It's good stuff. I love that. he That was his idea. The movie, I like it. I like it a lot. But I'm not sure I love it. I'm not sure I watched it in a real long time. I've seen it on, though. It's been on. You know, it's, it's, it's a movie you have to it's be in the on. right mood to watch, too. That is true. Because if you're not in the right mood, you're like, <laughs> it's way too trippy and weird. At points and depressing and weird, just because everything's going crazy. Yeah, it's, it's basically made... basically it's an hour of panic and terror if you're not in the right mood. Yeah, they want you to be. I mean, it, it helps to be you know in the right state of mind for you as well. You know that that uh, elevated state of mind or whatever yes. whatever your whatever your cup of tea is when you watch a movie like that. All right, let's get to. We got a lot of different topics that we can jump into here. Uh, Texas baseball with a loss to Kansas. Uh, real quick, Harge, your thoughts. Uh, Jack O'Dowd had a hell of a day. Uh, he went four of four, two home runs. Uh, that was the majority of the uh, Texas offense. Um, they only had three runs, but he was uh, he was great. But came up short, six to three, to the Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, it was uh, a lot to 
to want, right? There was a lot to be desired within this game. We talked about it yesterday when you start looking at who Texas was playing. You asked me, is there something to be worried about? I'm like, yes, uh, Kansas is playing for their postseason lives. Mm -hmm. They have to go out there and win. And this was a a matchup in which you start looking at Lucas Gordon and becoming pitcher of the year and having to go out there and, and play in this game. And then you look at what their pitcher was able to do, Colin Bumgardner, six innings, two run, two runs, only one of them earned, five strikeouts, went 96 mm-hmm. pitches, but he kept Texas under wraps. Under wraps was the most important part. Texas goes out there and loses 6-3. to three. They gave up a big grand slam. Oh. That was the difference maker. Travis Staley had come yeah. in after um, – Lucas Gordon. Lucas mm. Gordon went five innings, seven runs, two earned runs, and uh, five strikeouts and one walk. He was effective. He was effectively wild, but they jumped out to him early. Uh, they had a two-to-one lead, and then all of a sudden, Texas comes back and tie the game, and then they make the pitch and change. Boom. Grand slam. Yeah. Big, big piece of it. <clears throat> and that was a uh, seventh inning. Yes. Uh, it was tied up. And that's when you know you can't chip away at that point. It's a little too it's a late tough for him. to chip away at that time. Yeah. Um, so the Longhorns will play K State tomorrow morning now um, as a result uh, of being in the uh, basically after losing that first matchup to Kansas. And if they win that, uh, then uh, they get to play on Friday. If not, yep. Then, then they got to wait and see where they're going because they will lose they all host. Opp- opportunities yeah. to be a host. Yeah. Yeah, and I talked to a couple of people that are close to the situation, and they said today did not help them. Well, how could it? Because right. as you pointed out, not only did you want to win, but you wanted to have some style points if possible. Um, and that was the conversation we were having. Like, hey, could you get some style points or do you just end up getting the dub? Uh, they don't get style points or the dub. Um, so they're starting right now um, at a you know at a deficit, if you will, in terms yes. of hosting that, that regional. But, hey, man, they, they've, they've won this they've tournament. They've had their backs up against the wall before. Right, and they won this tournament in this situation yes. before? Yes, they have. Okay. There you go. Well, it's hopefully this team, <clears throat> they were playing some of their best baseball. We saw in that West Virginia series, I mean, we, we saw it all. We saw them pull it, put it all together, yep. and they sweep over West Virginia. Um, but now you need them in the postseason to be uh, being the best version of themselves, and I don't think we got that today. No, we did not. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we'll get to uh, – actually, we, we won't uh, tomorrow get to uh, talk about a ton of that because K-State uh, – they play K-State in the morning. So right. uh, we'll review that matchup after – hopefully we're talking about a dub for Texas. Uh, a little that's recap. 8, 845 pregame, I believe. Yes, so right 845 here. pregame right here on 1049 The Horn, right? Uh, B&E, right in the, kind of the heart of B&E. Um, and they will, I'm sure, do, do a great job breaking it down too. All right, let's get to – the Athlon Sports preseason All Big Twelve team first because mm-hmm. we talked about the NBA a little bit and got into the uh, win for the Celtics, a uh, big win for them, able to uh, stave off elimination. Um, and now that series is three one, which gives them a little bit more hope, trying to keep hope alive there. Uh, but Athlon Sports, uh, they came out with their preseason All Big Twelve team, and they got four different teams. So um, I mean, they're Whoa. pretty. 
Yeah, we won't. Obviously, we're not going deep, deep, deep into this thing. Um, I just want to talk about the Longhorns that were honored uh, on this uh, preseason All Big Twelve team. Now, uh, uh, start with the quarterback position because I think that's where everybody wants to I start. I think it's very know. interesting too. You thought so, it? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. Thought, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a good. Yeah, it is. I actually thought. This is something you could debate. Uh, I don't know if this is the route they were going because they want to create debate. Uh, but they have Jalen Daniels, the Kansas quarterback, as their first-team quarterback. Dylan Gabriel, the Oklahoma quarterback, as their second-team quarterback. And they got Quinn Ewers as the third-team quarterback. Uh, will spill the pill or will the thrill, Howard, whichever one you want to call him, uh, depending on when you watch him. He's been more will the thrill than spill the pill lately. He is the fourth-team quarterback. So they're basically saying Quinn Ewers is going to be Third string all Big Twelve this year. If, if if he's third string all Big Twelve, we got a big issue. Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't know if they're gonna accomplish all the goals we expect him to, which is play in the Big Twelve title and have a double digit win season. If Quinn Ewers isn't playing at a really high level, and him playing at a high level, we assume would be all Big Twelve first or at least second string all Big Twelve. But maybe listen, Jalen Daniels last year, Harge, before he gets hurt. He's actually one of the Heisman front runners. He's Absolutely. not the front runner for the Heisman. Absolutely, we, you and I were watching him when we were at uh, Lavaca Street Bar and Grill man, one game, on and we were like, "Man, hold up! Look yep. at how he's moving around. This dude is making play after play after play, putting pressure on the other team." Now, I I agree that he is a very very talented young man, but for him to be number one. Dylan Gabriel to be number two and Quinn yours to be number three. You like Dylan Gabriel too? I I've been a big fan of him. Mm-hmm. But come on, man. I think when we're talking about moving forward, our, it's all about projections. You can't tell me that you think that these two guys are going to project better than a Quinn yours if he comes back and is healthy. Former five star recruit now. That has now played a season, now is on a healthy uh, arm and legs, I would be hard-pressed to say that you don't have him as number one or two. Uh, you not- look at you talked about his uh, uh, the breakdown of the mm-hmm. pro football focus and how they project people. You, we've seen it. I'm 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 shocked by this. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight on this heel for it, <laughs> but I'm just like I'm shocked by this. Uh, no, I mean, listen for for Quinn Ewers. You go look at some of the stats from last year, right? You look at catchable ball rate last year. Um, he was 120th in the country mm-hmm. in catchable ball rate. That's from uh, Sports Info Solutions. Uh, you go look at. His uh, catchable, uh, got the, the basically the the catchable ball rate when for Power Five quarterbacks. Uh, he also is, you know, like I said, pretty low. And but I, I'm with you. I think we saw tremendous progress from him late in the season, and I do think the complement of weapons is what they're not concerning. It's actually more to me about the weaponry around him than it is about Quinn Ewers. The offensive line's going to be loaded. They bring back every starter on the O-line, yep. including one of the best tackles in the country. Um, matter of fact, they give Christian Jones. They got Christian Jones here 
uh, also as their second team uh, offensive tackle. Yes, he does. So they they're saying the offensive lines they got Jake Majors as the third team center. They're going they're saying the old line's going to be strong. They have Xavier Worthy as a first team selection. I think we all agree he's going to be one of the best receivers in the country. At least he should be top five receiver in the country. They got Jay Witt second team mm-hmm. on this list. Hell, they don't even mention Ad Mitchell. Who, uh, if you look at the some other publications, yeah, have got, him as pro, one of the top one hundred. Exactly. Uh, pro Football Focus had him as their 10th best draft eligible receiver. Um, Xavier Worthy was fourth on that list. Right. Uh, we looked at on three wide receiver room rankings, and they had Texas wide receiver room uh, number two in the country behind Ohio State, mostly because of the addition of a guy like A.D. Mitchell. So I, I think Quinn Ewers is going to take a step forward, but I'm more excited about the weapons in the passing game around him. Now they got to protect Quinn Ewers. Yes. Um, here's a stat for you. If you look at turnover-worthy play percentage for Big 12 quarterbacks on dropbacks with a clean pocket last year, um, uh, Quinn Ewers had a really low number, 2.4%. Uh, that's lower than Hunter Deckers or Tyler Shuck or Will Howard uh, or Spencer Sanders. If you look at turnover-worthy play percentage for Big 12 quarterbacks on dropbacks under pressure last year, under pressure, <laughs> Quinn Ewers is tops in the Big 12 at 8%, ahead of Donovan Smith and Will Howard and everybody else. So Quinn Ewers, under pressure, most turnover-worthy throws in the in the Big 12. When he's clean, he has the least amount of turnover-worthy throws in the Big 12. Huh? Seems pretty simple. All right, you got to keep him clean. And what do I always say? Quick game, 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 quick game. Get the ball out of his hands, and that means he's clean. And when he's clean, less mistakes, less turnover-prone uh, plays, turnover-worthy plays. And that's what we're hoping for this yeah. year when you, when you get a chance to look at it. But you're also looking at it. If you got a guy – like Xavier Worthy in number one, you got another guy at number two, you've got some playmakers. Get them the ball, like you said, quick game, quick game, quick game. But also that goes back to Sark. For him to be the number three ranked quarterback in the Big 12, but yet everybody is looking at Texas and um, putting them in the they're, – they're supposed to be playing in the Big 12 championship game. It's all dealing with the quarterback. That's true. So how is he, I'm just saying this is Athlon, it's a different publication. There will probably be other publications that have him in different places, but the initial one is Athlon. I'm just concerned about the fact that, hey, they got him at number three. It, like you said before, this might be something to motivate him. This might be something to say, mm-hmm. wait a minute, you telling me I'm the third best quarterback in this conference? I got something to prove. And maybe he gets dialed in. Yeah, he should be the best quarterback in this conference. Yeah. Uh, but I love me some Jalen Daniels, and I love that offensive system uh, for Kansas. I wish I could pronounce the offensive, the offensive coordinator's oh. uh, name, Kotanik, Kotaniki. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. sure I screwed it up. I'm just going to go with Lipo. He, he, he is <laughs> tremendous. Yeah, he's one of the best. Honestly, you make, you make an argument in terms of just offensive uh, creativity. He might be right behind Sark in this conference, yeah. offensive creativity. He is really, really creative. Um, so I, I do. I like that offense, and I like Jalen Daniels. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, listen, he's comfortable in that system. No quarterback in this conference is more comfortable in their system than Dylan Gabriel is in that system. Right. He's been running that system since he first got to college, and if he didn't get hurt last year, he probably puts up some. He still put up some good numbers, put up spectacular numbers. If he doesn't get hurt, uh, the running back uh, position they have uh, Jonathan Brooks as a third team running back here. 
uh, with this uh, list here, a third-team yep. running back, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. Their first-team running back uh, they have is Devin Neal from Kansas. <laughs> Rightfully so. He's a good player. And uh, Richard Reese from Baylor. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not opposed to that. I, we, Texas doesn't have a great, a proven commodity at running back coming back. I like Jonathan Brooks a lot. I think he will prove himself to be, you know, a player that deserves consideration for conference uh, accolades at the end of the season. Do you think Keelan Robinson? Because this list also lists Keelan Robinson as a number one, uh, oh, excuse me, a kick first returner. team uh, kick returner. Yeah. I don't think I've seen enough for him to be that guy. Uh, but the potential, his breakaway potential, he's arguably the, one of the most explosive numbers-wise, one of the most explosive guys in the conference. But I'm with you. I don't know if you've seen enough of that. Yeah. We saw more of that on offense last year, which I liked. Right. Uh, but a kick returner, I'm not sure. They, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure of that. Yeah, they gave um, Xavier Wordy third-team punt return um, uh, accolades here on this list as well. Um, getting back to the offense, they got Jay Witt as second team. We mentioned that Xavier Worthy as first team. Xavier Worthy, listen, if he just goes back to being the feature wide receiver and doesn't have to be the feature wide receiver and the deep threat at the same time, I think Xavier Worthy is going to be fine. I know yeah. some people are worried about, like, oh, man, he had a regression. There's no doubt he had a regression. But having to, that was too much of a burden for him to be the featured guy and the deep threat. He got typecast into that deep threat role, and that's not really him to be solely a deep threat guy. He can do it, but it's almost a, an insult to his skill set. Um, and I gave this number. Of the 30 most targeted FBS wide receivers last year, Xavier Worthy, third lowest completion percentage when targeted, um, lowest – uh, single season receiving yards, uh, the third lowest yards per target, and the fewest receiving yards per game of the yeah. 30 most targeted FPS wide receivers. It was extremely inefficient. That's because a lot of that was the deep ball. They were trying to force feed to him on predetermined throws. <laughs> you won't have that this year because you'll have plenty of deep threats. Isaiah Nayor can be that guy. Jante Cook can be that guy. Uh, A.D. Mitchell can be that guy. Xavier Worthy won't, be, won't have to fill that role. So I think he'll be much more productive this season. Uh, J.T. Sanders, they got on the first team as well. Um, which I no think shot. that's – that. but to me, that is a, a – a must for this team to have success. Yes. You know, we've been talking about quick game. We've been talking about spreading the ball around. We've been doing all that. But the most important thing every single game is to get him incorporated to the play calling immediately because that, to me, will change the entire way that this team is viewed and how this offense goes because he'll be more engaged to Mm -hmm. what's happening. We've seen it. We've seen him disengage from this entire team multiple times if he's not featured early. So that's going to be something, too, that Sark has had to go back and look at film and say, you know what, I missed the mark on certain things, but I'm going to be better this year. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I would, I, would, I would feature JT Sanders earlier in the season and earlier in games. Uh, it's tougher for teams to take away a tight end, easier for teams to take away a, a number one wide receiver because you have better options, better cover uh, specialists on those guys. JT Sanders would be matched up on a linebacker or a safety a lot of the times. He should end this season. This, is, this is, to me, will be a disappointment. Let me give you my first kind of Black Stradamus like prediction. Like and if this. it doesn't happen, then I'm going to blame Coach Steven. What would you say about B? Bijan last year, yeah, I, my, yep. my, yeah. The motto was yep. it, it basically was Bijan should be a Heisman finalist. Yep, and if he's not, something went wrong. There it is. Did something go wrong? 
Nah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there were some things that were. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you should have won two more games. Possibly yep. you win those two more games. I think Bijan maybe the reason, and you go you Bijan with only with zero targets versus TCU in a big game like that. Yeah. Zero targets. That's Coach Stevens. That is Coach Stevens. I think he had what I think he had what twelve, thirteen rushes or something like Total. that. Zero targets. That's Coach Stevens. That's a bad. That's a dang coaching mistake. So like I said, it, I, last year it was you know. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. This year, I do think if JT Sanders is not considered at the end of next football season to be the best and the greatest tight end statistically that we've seen on the 40 acres, something went wrong. Like it. Hopefully it's not him getting hurt. Um, and if he's not the most prolific tight end in Steve Sarkeesian's play calling history, um, I would be a little disappointed too. Yeah. Because I, I think he's got that kind of ceiling. And I think Sark knows it too, no question. And Sark says the tight end position, second most important position in his offense behind quarterback. Those Love are his it. words, not mine. I think I got Jared Wiley, actually. Shout out to him as the uh, fourth uh, team tight end here uh, being honored. Offensive line, Kelvin Banks, of course. Uh, he makes the first team. Christian Jones on O-line makes the second team. Uh, and Jake Majors makes the third team O-line. D-line, Byron Murphy on their first team. Tavondre Sweat on their second team. And Baron Sorrell. That's really good news. That would be means Baron Sorrell is stepping up. If he's an all-conference player, that's what you need on that edge. Mm-hmm. And to Demis, you got two all-conference interior D linemen. I believe that for Texas. I think you do it. We'll have um, two. You, I mean, last year you won the deepest interior D line in the country. I think this year you could kind of replicate that with uh, more depth on that interior D line. DBs, uh, Jalen Catalan made the first team. Uh, linebackers, Jalen Ford made the first team. Uh, they did put Jaday Barron at the third team and two fourth team selections on their Big 12 defense. Ryan Watson, Jaron Thompson. Disrespect to Ryan Watson. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah. I'm with you on that. And I look at disrespect to Jade Barron. Agreed. Jade played an unbelievable slot corner yes last year. Yep. And continued to make play after play, big play. Whether it was a fumble, whether it was an interception, he was on the field and he was around the football the entire time. I feel like that's disrespect. You might not win the UTSA game without him. Think about it. He flips it. It was his play. It was, was his a, that play. Was a, that was a close one-score game Absolutely. until he gets that big play, and that blew the game wide Absolutely. open. And honestly, he gave you a shot in the TCU game. Remember, uh, you were right now. See, that was a him in the TCU game, right? Yes. Yeah, he gave you a shot. You were down yes. that game. He gave you a shot. You're right. A lot of big plays in clutch time for Jaday Barron. I'm a big fan. All right, that's the Athlon Sports All-Big 12 uh, preseason team. We come back. Uh, we'll continue. I'll continue a little uh, football conversation because um, I want to get into the uh, returning production in the Big 12. So we'll continue the college football conversation. And I'll tell you something, a trend that I'm noticing in the, at the college level and at the NFL level in Rod's Round the Day. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one foot on the horn. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. 
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. All right, I was looking at the uh, Bill Connolly. Uh, he does the FPI, or at least his formula. It is, uh, cum- cumulative formula uh, is the algorithm that's for the FPI and part of the, uh, at least one of the factors that they use in the algorithm is just returning production overall. So you can go there and kind of just see, you know, where the teams are ranked in returning production. The Longhorns in, in Big 12 play, they are going to be ranked second behind Kansas. Kansas. Kansas has 85% mm, of their mm, production mm. returning. That's the second most in the country, gentlemen, and that will be first in the Big 12. Uh, the Longhorns, second in the Big 12, 19th. So they're top 20 in the country. That goes to why these uh, expectations are so high for Texas. They're bringing back a lot uh, on offense and on defense. Um, then after that in the Big 12, uh, Texas returns 74% of their returning production. But one of the things that I really like about what te- the nucleus that Texas is returning, um, hundred and if you want to know the other Big 12 teams, just really quick, UCF is at 66%. They are 51st overall. Tech, 64% returning, 64th overall. West Virginia, 64%, 66th overall. Iowa State, 63%, 67th overall. BYU, 63%. They're at 70th overall. Uh, K-State's at 76th overall, is 63%. Uh, Oklahoma at 62%, they're 77th. Uh, U of H at 60%, 82nd. Oklahoma State, 57%, 89th. Baylor, 55%. Uh, they're 100th, and, 100th and, and TCU is 52%. They're 118th. And Cincinnati, 46%, 124th. That's the rest of the Big 12 lays out. But I, what I like about Texas and what they're returning, the nucleus they're returning, if you go look at the 133 uh, FBS teams that are out there now, uh, only 28 of them return the head coach, quarterback, Offensive play caller and defensive play caller. Mm. And Texas is one of those 28 teams. Uh, And Texas plays, I believe, six teams that also return head coach, quarterback, OCDC. Wyoming. I'm not worried about that. Uh, Tech. (laughs) Tech, actually. All right, we talked about how we did the schedule game, and we talked about uh, Tech's a little sleeper. All right, they want things to run through Lubbock. Uh, Also, Rice. I'm not worried about that. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma returning a nice nucleus. Uh, K-State will spill the pill, but will the thrill. Uh, that's and We talked about how that's a, a game that we're worried about, too, with the Purple Kryptonite, and then Kansas. So two of, I think there were five games we said were kind of pivotal turn point games in the season for Texas off that schedule when we played the schedule game, and two of those, Tech and K-State, will return their starting, uh, sorry, the starting quarterback, head coach, OC, and D.C., um, but I went and looked at teams with a new OC that Texas will be playing, new coordinators, new OC and new DC, and I was a little surprised. So Texas will face five new offensive coordinators next year. Bama's going to have a new OC. U of H is going to have a new play caller. Iowa State's going to have a new play caller. TCU and West Virginia all have new play callers next season. That can be good or bad. That can be good because maybe they're you know not totally in tune. They don't really have continuity. They don't have the chemistry yet, the terminology. Or you don't have a lot of film on that scheme with that team, with that personnel. Uh-huh. So you have no idea really what the hell's going on. So yeah. you can look at it either way. It can be glass half full, glass half empty, depending on the matchup there. Um, but Texas also will face three new DCs. Bama. Man, Bama got a new OC and a new DC and yep. a new quarterback. And a new quarterback. 
Don't think they got it to go. Mm-hmm. But he is the goat. But he is the goat. <laughs> uh, three new DCs. Old place. Uh, Bama has a new DC. Kevin Steele. Baylor will have a new DC as well. And Oklahoma State will have a new DC. So they'll face. If you go look, and I wouldn't look at the Big 12 total. So out of the 14 teams in the Big 12, six teams in the Big 12 will have new OCs. That's damn near 43% of the conference. I really like that. Five DC, five new DCs out of the 14 teams. So, and I went and looked. I was like, man, I wonder if that is a trend that you will see in the NFL. I went back and tracked it. How about this, guys? In all of college football, FBS, 60 new OCs. 60 new OC. You had 133 FBS teams. You got 60 new offensive coordinators this year. That is absolutely Isn't ridiculous. That crazy? And how about this? But it goes back. Go Tracks ahead, go in ahead. the NFL. Yeah. The NFL, you got 32 teams. You got 16 new OCs in the NFL this year. First year OCs in the NFL. 25 of the 32 offensive coordinators uh, within, they've been hired in the last 11 months, less than a year. So what does that tell you? It tells you, first of all, the fast track to be a head coach, be a court offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Defensive coordinator, yeah, they like defensive coordinators a little bit, but they love offensive coordinators who can, you know, obviously have a prolific offense and who are really kind of the, you know, the 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 high rising, fast rising coach of the day. Usually it's a young up and coming coach um at on the offensive side of the ball. And when you look at all the recent history of, of coaches being hired, I went back and looked at it too. Forty six of the last sixty nine head coaches hired have come from the offensive side of the ball in the last five years. Twenty five of thirty seven. And uh in the last four cycles, twenty one of thirty. I went back and looked at an NFL study that said since 2009, nearly 40% of head coaches hired were former offensive coordinators. Um, so it's, I think it's one of those things where people know the fast track, and the fast track is offense, so you see more resources devoted to offense, more attention paid to offense. And since we are living in an offensive era, there's also some FOMO, right? Yep. Fear of missing out on on a great offense, right? Because... Everybody has a flashy, modernized, sophisticated, you know, very high-level offense, and it makes the ones who are a little lackluster and underwhelming stand out even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Jimbo Fisher's offense is glaring. It's yes. like, man, that thing is antiquated. Why? Because all the offenses around it are so modern based on pace and space. So I think that also forces teams to make decisions or look more critically at their own offense. When all the offenses around them are so prolific and go, hey man, we might need to, we might do something. And our offense, it, it's just, it's, it's not up to snuff. Right. It's not cutting the mustard. It's not up to the standard of today's modern day offenses. I think that's a big part of it too. It's almost like when, you know, your wife sees all the neighbors have new cars, renovating the kitchen, new pool. She's gonna start looking at your crib too and going, uh, babe, I think we need to renovate something. She's going to look at her own. Yeah, she's going to look at her own a little bit more critically. And I think that's a big part of it, too. So it's a lot of it. But that trend is at the elite levels of football. OCs more likely to become head coaches. So that's the fast track. Um, But also, teams are quicker to fire an OC and go get a new one. That was going to be my point. It was like when you brought up the number of the turnover, right? When's the last time you've seen it? We don't see it because now they are quick to flip the script. There's no loyalty to no. it. That's why it's so important for us as Texas fans, when we were looking at it before, everyone was like, we need to get rid of this person, we need to get rid of that person, we need to get... 
No, what ends up happening is there's no camaraderie. There's no same message. Every player is learning something new. Texas has gone through it for so many times where mm-hmm. you had a new OC, you had a new DC. You kept flipping. The only thing that didn't change was the head coach. Everything around it was being flipped over. That's why I think we're so quick to want victories. Yeah. And even in some of these smaller markets, they have this this uh, disillusion of grandeur where it's like, no, y'all aren't that good, so why are you trying to fire a guy that might help your team get better and better? If you're not at the top and making differences and making changes, don't try to make them all happen at once on the lower level. Yeah, I just think points, sell tickets. Yeah. We're in fantasy football era, so I think people are like, you know, if I'm not good, I, might, I need to be scoring some points at least. So I think some teams just have that mindset, but you're certainly right. Teams, they're not willing to be patient not uh, with all. any of these coaches. No, That's and, at any level. And we talk about the economics of it, of just, well, ticket sales and player salaries keep going up and everything else, but coaches' salaries are not that crazy different as they right. were no, in 10 years ago. Right. So if I'm paying you $100,000 and I'm paying a head coach $6 million, and I'm paying these players ten million dollars. Well, if someone's got to go, I can eat a hundred thousand right now. Yeah, I can't eat any of this other amount. I told that actually that is a very good point. Now, you're right about that. The economics we did not uh, talk about that enough, but you're right. They, they, those guys are the easiest to, mm-hmm. on the chopping block because they're the cheapest <laughs> in terms of the investment by the team. Uh, all right, good stuff there. We'll come back. Uh, we got off the record right here on Ball Don't Lie, one four nine horn. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn, midweek movie music edition of Ball Don't Lie. That's when Patrick takes songs from a soundtrack, plays those songs for Harge and I, and those songs are supposed to leave us uh, clues and hints that lead us to the featured film of midweek movie music. And today, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Beautiful Fear thing. and Loathing. I like that. I like that. And it's, uh, it's pretty good. This song, Crick. Craig Wade plays this song sometimes. I mean, it's Booker T and the MGs. Yeah, so, so it's yeah, always yeah. good. But this is when he's like trying to get away from the the cop. Yeah, no, I've heard it so like Craig Wade plays this. I can't remember what segment he plays, but Craig Wade uses this music actually a lot. Uh, all right, so there you go. Midweek movie music. Thanks to my man Patrick working hard for us. Also, uh, we got to get into this. It's a sad story. I didn't even know it was something Harsh told me about it um, right before we came on air. Tina Turner passed away. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. Man, R.I.P. to Tina Turner. I mean, Tina Turner was amazing. Yeah, um, I didn't realize. I, I didn't even realize. Uh, I mean, she was eighty-three, so she, you know, that's a healthy amount of life. Uh, and damn, did she live it! Uh, <laughs> um, but man, Tina Turner was an icon. Yes, for, for many reasons, for, for a lot of different reasons. A lot of those legs had yes. a lot to do with it. When her legs like famously insured, oh, she insured yes. her legs like millions of dollars. Yes, mm. but then she also was hanging out with Ike. And yeah. a lot of people remembered her from Ike. What's love got to do with? Have y'all both seen that? I film? have seen. I've not seen it. No. I've, you, I've okay. seen Patrick it. He, Patrick's kind of anti movie. Yeah, he's, well, yeah, he does, he's not a movie guy. Uh, and it, it is. A, I, I, it's a good movie. It's sad and a little jarring. 
Uh, very jarring. Yeah. Very jarring. Uh, yeah, because I, all the domestic abuse there. But uh, it, I think if you got to watch. Now, I guarantee it'll start trending again. And so whatever streaming yeah. app uh, that love, What's Love Got to Do With it, wherever it's on, uh, I'm sure that they'll feature it again. But it is. I mean, it's a, oh, yeah, it's it's a great story. A lot. Yeah, it's a great story about her, you know, fortitude and her ability to really you know, transcend her circumstances and, and allow kind of intrinsically uh, mm-hmm. take that pain and turn it into a profound uh, music and creativity. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, big fan of Tina Turner. Yeah. She's so, got, something tells me we'll be hearing some Tina Turner tomorrow. Something tells me. Oh, the new theme Thursday. That's right. Yeah. At least we have a head start. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Tina Turner. It's not, I've even used Tina Turner references in my sports takes, in my you sports have. analogies. You have. The famously when the Texas football team, when Charlie Strong was on the 40 Acres, and they kept talking about how much they love Charlie Strong. You interview any of the players, like, we love Charlie Strong. We love Charlie Strong. We love Charlie Strong. But they lost to Kansas. And I'm like, what's love got to do with it? Get that joint out of here, man. You lost to Kansas. Yeah, if you love somebody you, why you, let lost, that man, to you Kansas. lost to Kansas and that man got fired that's how yes. much you love him no that ain't love that's yes. something else man that love is, is about, you you are dealing with what? a rough relation come on you now. are in a Tina Turner relationship exactly what it is <laughs> you you let Kansas I turn on you exactly you gonna about how much you love Charlie exactly. no you don't love Charlie you love Charlie you to beat Kansas <laughs> you don't love Charlie so don't be saying that love is about action it, my about wife that always action, says boss. yeah she says about action not what you say yeah. you said you love him but what's love got to do with it uh-uh. about them dubs man true uh, alright uh, rest in peace too uh, Tina Turner and tomorrow as uh, Patrick hinted we're going to be celebrating a little bit more about her and her legacy alright let's get to uh, the break here we come back NFL news notes and nuggets DeAndre Hopkins has a wish list uh, we'll get into that also most overpaid and underpaid NFL players all that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn